episode 10 of Who to Thunk It podcast with Zeb. This episode is about the uh, sacred band of Thebes. Um, we'll get into that in a bit, and we're going to be talking about the nation of Thebes itself. So without further ado, ancient Greece, the Peloponnesian War between Athens and Sparta, Greece's two major fighting forces waged from 431 to 405 BC. You probably heard of Sparta, most likely for their show of bravery and valor during the Persian War at the Battle of Thermopylae. It was th- what the movie 300 starring Gerard Butler was all about. Athens is a society all about art and writing. They had more money and focused on their navy, where Sparta was more in their army, and they were more uh, brutal, one might say. Sparta wanted to push back Athens expanse of democracy in Greece to establish oligarchs throughout the region. A more modern example of the Peloponnesian War between the two political ideologies would be the Cold War, where Western democracy backed by the United States and had allies all around the globe fighting against Eastern communism backed by Soviet Union, also with allies all over the globe. One can draw a lot of parallels between the Cold War and the Peloponnesian War. Both Sparta and Athens got a lot of allies to back their respective causes. Almost every city-state in ancient Greece was involved in this war. Among Sparta's allies was the Greek city-state of Thebes. By 405 BC, the Peloponnesian War ends. Sparta comes out on top and begins their hegemony. That's a word that basically means their rule as the head honcho in ancient Greece. Some of the other city-states started to dislike Spartans, or Sparta's iron-fisted rule and were now rebelling. Among some of those rebelling city-states was Thebes. Thebes had started to create an alliance in their region and was quickly becoming a third major force to be reckoned with in the Greek peninsula alongside Athens and Sparta. Sparta was beginning to worry about Thebes as a new rival force to be reckoned with, and so Sparta called a peace conference to cool things down a bit. At this conference, it's, it's important to note that there was Sparta, Athens, and Thebes, yes, but there was also their northern neighbors, Macedonia, and a Persian king, Artaxerxes. That's right, Persian kings actually had a say in Greek internal Greek affairs at this time. So things are trying, starting to expand. Everyone ended up voting peace for this conference, and but things the, things went wrong the very next day. A dispute caused Spartan king Agacellus to kick a Theban delegate by the name of Epaminondas out of the peace conference, and therefore kicking Thebes out. Epaminondas promptly rushed home to Thebes to prepare for war. After a few small altercations between Thebes and Sparta, the Spartan king Cleombrotus marched a large-scale army to squash Thebes and their insolent Theban forces. Um, Sparta had the reputation for being the biggest and baddest army in Greece and had this reputation for a very long time, even, bo- even before the Battle of Thermopylae and the 300. In 375 BC, the Spartan War Party had suffered their first loss ever uh, to Theban general Pelopidas in the Battle of Tegira. Although Tegira was a small battle, it placed a crack in Spartan Sparta's reputation of invincibility, a crack that was about to be exploited at the Battle of Leoctra. Now, the Battle of Leoctra happened in 371 BC. It was just 10 miles outside of the city of Thebes. And the Theban leaders were reluctant to confront Cleombrotus's Spartan forces on the battlefield. For one, Sparta had a lot of soldiers, 11,000, and Thebes had only about 7,500 soldiers, and plus that reputation we spoke of earlier. The Spartans are no small uh, opponent to mess with. It was Commander Epaminondas, the general who was kicked out of the Spartan Peace Conference, 
who had seen the way they were doing business and the way they were running politics, and Pelopidas, the first general to beat the Spartans at Tegira, who swayed their fellow Theban leaders to be brave and face Sparta on the battlefield. So Epaminondas basically said, hey, I've seen what how they like to operate things, and we can't let this stand. And Pelopidas is there to say, I know they're tough, they're Spartans, but I beat them. We can do it again. Early July 6th, 1971 BC, Thebes marched on King Cleombrotus's Spartan camp. It's just 10 miles outside of the capital city of Thebes, very close to home, very close to what all of them are fighting for. Overconfident in their numbers and military prowess, the Spartans formed a simple formation. It's just an even-lined phalanx of infantry. Just one line, that's the whole strategy, armed with large shields and spears, known as a hoplite. As customary, the right side of the Spartan phalanx was comprised of the Spartans' most battle-hardened elite soldiers, known as the Spartiate. It was a, a place of honor to be on the right side of the phalanx. You were a lot more respected if you were over there. The Spartans expected their enemies, the Thebans, to mirror their simple line formation and just hope for the best. But General Epaminondas, the Theban, had devised an actual plan instead of just a line. The Theban forces chose not to form a simple line. Instead, they put a huge force of about 50 ranks deep of their most seasoned warriors, including the sacred band of Thebes, led by Pelopidas on their own left flank. So right up against the Spartiates and the Spartans' best guys, they have a, a, a 50 flank deep left flank over there. And this was a risky formation because the rest of the, the Theban line was very thin, just a few ranks deep. Before I get into how the battle played out, a, a little side note here. The Sacred Band of Thebes, the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast, was a branch of the Theban army. And they're very interesting. A couple years later, in 378 BC, the Theban general Gorgidas created this branch of the Theban army. It comprised of 300 of Thebes' best and brightest warriors. They were 150 pairs of gay lovers. That's right. They, the thought was that their love for each other, each other would push them to fight with wild bravery and have the morale would be outstanding compared to other army branches. Plato wrote, No man is such a craven that love cannot inspire him with a courage that makes him equal to the bravest born. From historydaily.org, I got this nice little quote explaining uh, just how the sacred band kind of operated and how it began. Admission into the sacred band of Thebes was not open to just anyone. Gorgidas personally selected the 300 members based on their athletic ability and military experience. Each couple fit the model of Greece homosexual relations at the time. An older dominant gentleman and his younger passive playmate. Remember, this is a quote. The couples chosen to join the division were, according to Polynaeus, devoted to each other by mutual obligations of love. In fact, the use of the word sacred in the company's name is thought to derive from the sacred vow taken between the lover, the older active lover, and his beloved, the younger passive lover, before the shrine of Aeolus. In Thebes, Aeolus was the nephew and beloved of Hercules. In times of peace, the sacred band kept in shape by holding wrestling tournaments and, get this, dance competitions engaging in various different arts instead of just combat to make them more rounded individuals. The sacred band was led by Pelopidas and Epimono Epimonondas. Uh, some speculate even these two were lovers, although I don't know if I 
caught on to that in any other readings. The Sacred Band uh, were a crucial part in defeating Sparta at the Battle of Tegira, being led by Pelopidas. So that first time the Spartans lost, Sacred Band was there. Now the Sacred Band is here, and they're ready to, to stick it to them again. They're part of that 50-rank, deep left flank of the Theban army, and they're ready to go up against Spartans' best and brightest. Now these 300 gay warriors of the Sacred Band of Thebes were facing off against the most elite soldiers of the most fearsome military force in ancient Greece, the Spartans. The Thebans' large flank, left flank, led by Pelopidas and the Sacred Band, were advancing towards the Spartans' most elite soldiers. Spartan King Cleombrotus now noticed the Thebans on formation and tried to shout orders to change their tactics, but it was too late. The Theban forces' huge flank had advanced very quickly and already started slamming into Cleombrotus's elite right flank. The Spartan King ordered the orders could not be heard over the deafening sound of battle between the two of the greatest fighting forces the Greek peninsula had ever seen. Both the Spartans and the Theban forces were losing men, but the Theban forces had stacked their left flank so deep it was pushing through the Spartans with ease. So these Spartans, these elite Spartans, were, were slaying Thebans quite a bit, but because they had 50 ranks deep, they just kept pushing through the Spartans. They did not expect that deep of a, of a left flank. Pelopidas saw an opening where King Cleombrotus was vulnerable. He led the sacred band forward and was able to fatally wound the Spartan king. This is huge. The Spartan soldiers were caught off guard and were bound by duty to retrieve their king's body. The Spartans were successful in reclaiming King Cleombrotus's body, but in doing so caused even more chaos among their ranks. On top of this, Pelopidas and the sacred band had slain many of the Spartans' most senior officers, not just their king, and elite forces. So all heck is breaking loose. The loss of their king, senior officers, and the sight of their best warriors retreating with the king's dead body caused the rest of the Spartan forces to retreat. So even though it's only the Spartan right forces that are being attacked, the rest of them are saying, hey, those are our best guys, and they are losing terribly. So they retreat. General Epaminondas and Pelopidas had won the Battle of Leoctra, a large-scale battle against the Spartans of a greater number they won. Over 1,000 Spartans died, 400 of them being those elite Spartiates we talked about. King Cleombrotus was the first Spartan king to die in battle since King Leonidas, who led the 300 Spartans in Thermopylae. And you know how bad those odds were against King Leonidas. So King Cleombrotus is the first to die, and he had the advantage in numbers. This was said to be the only time a Spartan army lost to a numerically inferior force. The Spartan reputation of invincibility that was cracked at the small battle of Tegira was now completely obliterated. The Spartans' hegemony that had been in place since the Peloponnesian War was now definitely gone. The Thebes were the new kids in the Greek bloc. It was all due to the Battle of Yoktra. But to fully understand the Sacred Band's stamp on history, even though this was their greatest victory, I'd say, you have to know how they ended. What's a story without its ending? North of Greece, great things were brewing. King Philip II of Macedonia, who had been held hostage in Thebes as a younger uh, younger lad, and he learned from Theban war practices and strategies, now had a huge army of Macedonians and was bent on subjugating all of Greece under his Macedonian banner. Since the great powerhouses of Greece, Sparta, Athens, and Thebes had been duking it out for so long, they were left weakened. 
and in 338 BC at the Battle of Charonia, King Philip II, accompanied by his 18-year-old son Alexander, later to be known as Alexander the Great, defeated the Thebes and their sacred band. King Philip II would go would be assassinated two years later in 336 BC, but his son Alexander would go on to conquer most of the known world, leading troops all the way to India. But that's a different story. The mighty Macedonians conquered and subjugated all of Greece for nearly 200 years until the Romans came to power in 146 BC. It is said that the young Alexander was the first to defeat the sacred band, and he witnessed their members go into furies of rage once their loved ones fell in battle. King Philip II gave the sacred band a chance to surrender, but they refused, and they fought until the last man. Sources say King Philip wept at the sight of their slain bodies because he was so moved by their bravery. The sacred band, the first warriors to defeat the Spartans, were wiped off the face of the earth. Never again would Greece have a military branch quite like it. Some of my credit for this goes to a couple of YouTube videos. Um, also, we have ancient.eu, the Battle of the Ultra, and then historydaily.org. Thank you for listening to episode 10 of Who to Thunk It with Zeb. I love history. This is one of my first, this is my second big history episode. My first episode was about a historical figure. I hope you tune in next week. I'm still going to do this podcast throughout the pandemic um, because it's something I love to do. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. Catch you later. So for this episode, I actually had to cut a decent amount of information out of the podcast itself just to make it more palatable and easier to follow along with. I tested out on my girlfriend. She fell asleep quite quickly. So if you want to see the, the full version of, of my research, I actually did put it on my blog along with some good, very, very helpful visuals. For, and I give a lot more credit to my sources on there. And you can check out. It's a, it's a lot easier to see what a Greek hoplite looks like, what the Spartan at, versus the Theban um formations look like. So I, I, I uh, advise you check that out. The link will be in the description.